You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hi. Oh, I didn't know you were here. Bullshit. I wasn't talking to you. Good enough. Alright, now that we've established that... So who's here? Me. You didn't know you were here? There's a mirror. Oh. <laughs> There's a mirror. I liked it. It was a pleasant surprise. Like you. Aww. To your me. father. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is a pleasant surprise? Um, cookies. Spend them the cookies. Balloons. Spend them the balloons. Flowers. Confetti. Cake. How about a Balticon bonus episode? That's good too. Okay. Okay. Okay, now who are you again? Someone special? What's your name? Best friend. Wrong. But that's what you call me. I do call you that, but these people have no idea who we are or why they should care. Well, they should care because we're awesome. Yeah. And, and the content we put out, pretty great. But who are we? Well, I'm Erin Kazmark, the grill mistress. And I'm A.F. Grappin, the head chef of... The, the Melting, Melting Podcast. Podcast. Ding. <laughs> we're, we're not evil. You're not. <laughs> yeah, with a laugh like that, I can't be. No. no. <laughs> so anyway, this is a Balticon bonus episode Boop. of The Melting Podcast. Balticon bonus episodes are recorded panels for those of you who missed Balticon. Or who were there and just want to relive great memories. Or who maybe didn't get to come to that particular panel. Yeah. So, you know, things. Reasons. Yeah. You want to listen. Yeah. It's good stuff. Do the thing. Enjoy. Is this on or is this just a prop? What is this? It's a prop. No, I was just surprised to see all you guys just all white-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go. Well, bushy-tailed anyway. Okay. I have coffee. Does that count? <laughs> did I? Did I, I, I? My first panel here uh, this year was how to be a good moderator. Um, I had all kinds of stuff about being prepared. And one part that I missed was check all your panels on an hourly basis to see if you've been made the moderator mm -hmm. without your knowledge. That happened to. Uh, Happened to one of the other panels. Um, and yep, you're right, they made me the moderator. Okay, well then, I'm going to start talking about stuff here. What we got? We got three more minutes, so I can. I got a few minutes to think straight up. Quick, prepare. Do you know um, anything about kissing in books, Mr. <laughs> kissing where? <laughs> Your tentacles have this is lips. a family hour. Is family hour. <laughs> is everyone supposed to wear a hat? Everyone can take a hat if they would like one. I'm not going to force my hat on anyone because this is very important to me. Oh, you guys Let me throw money at you, Miss Pooey. Unless you guys would want this one. Oh, you can go ahead and turn it on if you like. Throw money at you. I just I wasn't going to mess with it because that does not belong to me. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't come prepared. You bought one of my books last night, but didn't have any cash. Yes, that's the story we're going with. <laughs> and you still have your tiny hat. I do. I am so looking forward to reading that book. That was really amazing. 
And that has the autistic character in it? Yes. And it has a marvelous cover. It does. <laughs> Here, let me let me do that for you so you don't pull a muscle. <laughs> That's actually her, her cover. That cover is actually one of my favorites that I've done. So. And it was so much better than the one by the publisher. What track? I actually didn't realize you did the cover. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So let me show off. I, I think probably 50 to 75% of the books on the uh, mm-hmm. table last night were. Yeah, sign Mike, even though you oh. didn't write it. <laughs> you know, it's, I've, I've done that for a couple of books. This It's a little strange it's for me. It's art. It's I, art. I, yes. I, I'm in love with Lovelace of Love, Fancy Card, and Kevin Bouncy. I'm an editor of Animal there, and I called him and I got my book on my phone. Nobody ever asked me to sign any of that chat. Oh, he was actually really tough. Really, really tough. I can imagine. These editors sell the last stuff. Yeah, I know. I actually get, I, I had my first. My first signature request the other day for a book that I edited was like, wow, really? Well, I mean, the, the cover designers and the editors are one, are one reasons one and two why the books are as good as they are. If they're if not for you guys, it, it would not be as good. I, I suspect that the only time, that most of the time an editor gets asked to sign something, you find a bike Yeah. I don't think regular readers understand what. How important it is. <laughs> When I get back, I have edits. Test. Test. I do not pay attention to That's right. That's right. That's why one reason I think comes so naturally to me because I'm just naturally mean when it comes to little details like that. Oh, okay. It is 10 o'clock. Welcome to the Romance in SF SFF panel. I am Nabilis Reed. I am your moderator. And I am also the creator of the Nabilis Erotica podcast. Um, I, uh, 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 the, the best science fiction erotica podcast in the known universe. I know it's the best because it's the only one. And it's also, of course, that makes it the worst. Um, I am here with uh, four people who have an interest in a romance in science fiction and fantasy. Um, I'd like not only to introduce yourselves, but also tell me one book or other property that had romantic elements that was like the first one that you realized first first time you realized hey this is this is this is uh, this has got a, a bit of a love story in it. okay um, Bob Chase I uh, I'm a uh, retired uh, chief counsel from the Army Research Laboratory uh, and I write short stories that have been uh, Published are being published in Analog and Asmos on a reasonably regular basis. To answer your question, you know, I think I, I go all the way back to uh, A Princess of Mars, Edgar Rose Burroughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I probably came in on that a little too late. Uh, I was, um, well, it was published in 1914, so... Well, well no, but I, I mean, by age, uh, I was, uh, I think, 
I'm trying to remember when the copyrights expired on all of those. Seventy-five years, I know, because I, I wrote a, 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 John, a, a Princess of Mars pastiche. Ah, uh, and it when violated the copyright. That's, that's <laughs> really when I started uh, reading those. They had that big publishing surge, getting them all back into to print. And I was maybe a little too old to appreciate them the, the way I should have, uh, if, I, if they'd been a few years earlier. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you, uh, you start off with John Carter and Deidre Thoris, uh, both scantily clad, uh, doing heroic things, getting into uh, tremendous difficulties, and it was great. Starla? Well, I have two. Okay, I'm Starla Hutchton. I have 21 books under my belt. All of them have at least some form of romance in them. Um, some are a little um, heavier than the others, but um, huh. um, I have done science fiction and fantasy um, and contemporary. So a uh, little bit of everything. Um, uh, so for my um, first book. First one, though. I don't, you know what? It has to be Star Wars for me. Okay. <laughs> um, that was the the first time, and and I know that's it's book, but uh, because well, no. it's been such a, I can't remember the first time I saw right. Star Wars because it's always just been a part of my life, right. always. And so, yeah, it it has to be that that there was that element of romance in there and you know people want to oh poo poo the romance and blah 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 but I mean it's right there and it's at the heart of the story that's, that's mine Hi I'm Ken Schrader I write science fiction fantasy <clears throat> and weird westerns I'm a huge fan of the Oxford comma and I make housing decisions huh. based on space available <laughs> <book shows. laughs> uh, I've been racking my brain trying to think of which it was that I had read first um, either the Lord of the Rings or Star Wars and I cannot remember which came first so I'm just going to say I read them both at the same time <laughs> but those were the first books that you know I was cognizant enough to realize that there was a romantic element in it <clears throat> my references are frequently movies and not books in terms of my firsts because I was uh, movies were always a big to a degree a bigger part of my life than books were. Um, so I will say my first the first time I saw something and I was like oh that's that's romance is probably Gone with the Wind because it was my mom's favorite or it is my mom's favorite movie and I've watched it many times over the years. And and, and who are you? Oh, and I. I'm, <laughs> It's, a, it's okay. It's it's Monday. We know. <laughs> uh, and I am Scott Roche, uh, and I've been an author and podcaster for about seven or eight years. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, my own part to answer my own question. Um, the first one that I uh, that I really kind of got the romantic element was uh, A Winter's Tale by Mark Helprin. Um, uh, a a a a a cat burglar, you know. Uh, thief type guy who has a flying horse uh, yeah. falls in love with a tubercular woman who's been left out on the roof because they thought that uh, that the uh, clean outside night air was good for someone with tuberculosis, and uh, and uh, they have a romance, but it's but it is not a romance because it doesn't have a happy ending. They're uh, they're all dead at the end, 
Um, so, uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Sorry, the spoiler statute of limitations is long gone on Winter's Tale. It came out in the 70s. Um, so, anyways, I would like, for the purposes of the discussion, I would like to make some definitions. Um, a romance is a story where the relationship is the central theme of the work and has a happily ever after or happily for now ending. A love story is one where the relationship is a central focus but does not necessarily have a happily ever after or happily for now ending. And then a romantic element is a story that has romance in it but it's not the central focus. Um, so... Uh, With that, with that definition kind of laid out, you may disagree with my definitions, but um, I think they're pretty widely understood. Um, uh, do you now, Starla? I can. I know you're going to answer for this, but do you uh, read, write, uh, enjoy, or despise science fiction romance? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for putting me on the spot. Um, yes, uh, to, well, not all of those. Everything except uh, the last, and I despise uh, them. I uh, will read uh, science fictional romances when they're around, and it looks like a, an otherwise good book. Um, but you're not seeking them out specifically. No, no. I'll, I'll be looking for good books. If if that's in there, it's kind of like dessert. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm 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 glad to have that uh, as as one of the enjoyable elements of the story. Uh, but in terms, the reason why I think that's fairly rare. Um, in my own writing, while I um, have, well, I've tried to do it uh, before in, uh, in the novel I'm writing right now, uh, there's uh, a romance developing. Uh, but quite frankly, it's harder to do that. Uh, as you say, it has, you say it has to be the, the primary element in the story. To be a, to I would be say it has to be a very important element of the story, and now you've got uh, now you've got uh, to keep two balls in the air rather than one, and not have one cut against the other, but rather to have them work together in some way, uh, and that's that's just going to be more work. Uh, it's, it's in some ways when I was thinking about this panel, I was thinking it was the same answer to a question and. A panel last night, uh, where which was mainly about a panel about economics, and the moderator was asking, "Well, why don't we have uh, uh, real sorts of uh, economic considerations worked into more stories?" <laughs> and the real answer was, "It's indeed, it's more work, it's tougher. Uh, economics being the dismal science, it's it's also more more difficult to make it fun." Uh, but I think that's that's kind of sums up some of the problems, at least as far as I'm concerned. Well, as as far as like um, a romance that's either you know fantasy or science fiction, 
the difference between because you said that the romance would be the central thing and for genre fiction in my experience that's not true contemporary romance yes the focus is directly it's on the relationship and sometimes there's another overarching plot but in uh, SFR and in fantasy romance you have to have both um but uh, I don't, to, to answer the actual question, <laughs> when it comes to science fiction romance, so much of it is, you know, aliens and space. And that's not the SFR that I write because I have superheroes and I have the near future um, uh-huh. science, science. Um, so, and, and I, because I get, I get turned off by the covers because they're all like shirtless, headless dudes. Um, and that's just, I don't. Like him, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the yeah. top of the page. Oh, it'll be, it'll be from, from okay, I get, now. yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. And yeah. just, just immediately, I'm like, because I want to know about the story, and so those covers don't really tell me about the story. Um, so I don't generally pick them up, but there'll be ones um, when when I go to look for a romance to read. Generally, it leans more towards the YA side of it, um, which has a less of a focus on the physical relationship and you will have some you know sex scenes in it but n- maybe not as heavily as like the the adult side of it um, because I'm really just more interested in plot <laughs> um, because I write that stuff you know I don't necessarily need to read it all the time um, but yeah so I guess I guess that's I have a not not necessarily a love-hate relationship because hate is a strong word um, but I don't purposely seek it out um, because I, my, my covers are, are tricky <laughs> like that because they don't read as my superheroes. They don't read as romance on, from the cover because it's just the hand with the special effects and the text. And I don't have shirtless dudes on my cover. So um, specifically for that reason, because I don't like them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Next. Um, like, um, like you, um, I don't seek out... Um, romantic science fiction stories, you know, as you had defined them, they are very, very welcome additions to um, science fiction fantasy stories that I go out and collect. I'll read just about anything you put in my hands. Um, so there's, um, there's really no. Um, I mean, <laughs> despise doesn't even come <laughs> into the uh, doesn't even come into the equation, and I'd actually like to see more of that. More of that work its way into the works that, you know, I currently look for. Scott? Uh, the, the further along I get in my career and the older I get, the more I appreciate and enjoy um, romantic elements and romance and speculative fiction. I'm more of a horror guy uh, and, and fantasy guy in terms of my reading these days than, than science fiction. But uh, and, and a friend of mine... Um, Rose sent me an audiobook of uh, the first book in the Half Moon Hollow series, Nice Girls Don't Have Fangs. And it was the first romance that I read. And I consider it a romance, um, even though the speculative elements are, are as much a part of it as the romance, um, that I read and thoroughly just enjoyed the hell out of. Um, and so that started me down the road of including more romantic elements in my own writing and enjoying that. But I think for me, 
Um, and I've made this comparison several times this weekend. Uh, romance, erotica, horror, they're all, for me, less genres and more spices in my spice rack. Um, so that I sprinkle liberally throughout everything I, I read and, and write uh, where I can. One of the, uh, I, 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 as moderator, I usually try not to, uh, to, to bring too many of my own ideas, but uh, this, one's, this one's important to me. Um, I think that romance and science fiction go very well together because um, one, of the, one of the things they kind of teach uh, uh, writers is the idea of the, uh, the external conflict and the internal conflict. Um, and romance, by its nature, because it's about emotions and connections and things like that, tends toward being an internal conflict. When there's a romance story, when, when the question is, how are these people going to get together, that's kind of an internal conflict. And science fiction, since it's so often about grand up things like societies and kingdoms and, and, and stuff like that, not always, but very often has, has a very broad scope, tends towards external conflicts. Sometimes it can be difficult to put together an internal conflict in a science fiction story. So to me, science fiction and fantasy go very well together because you can have a romance internal term conflict and a science fiction external conflict going side by side. Um, so that kind of goes back to what you, you were saying about, about it, you know, for science fiction romance, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the only thing going on. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think in a science fiction romance, it shouldn't be the only thing. Yeah, it, it really can't be. Like, right. <laughs> there right. has um, to be. Well, one of the publishers I've worked with makes a, dif a differentiation between science fiction and futuristic. Futuristic is setting only. There doesn't need to be any science fiction plot going on. It's just set in that, that, um, uh, that kind of environment. Um, where science fiction has a, is a somewhat smaller subset for their, for their particular house. I don't say I haven't seen anybody else make that distinction, but uh, uh, okay. Um, so now that I've, I've, I've monopolized the panel again, um, uh, let's who do say, you think has done it well recently? And in fact, you know, your Wintersdale well, thing doesn't meet your own definition. It's not a well, it's not a romance. It's, oh, okay. It's it's it is it is a it is a fantasy story with with romantic elements. Because the Absolutely. romance, is, the okay. romance is, a, is, a, is a secondary, uh, a secondary flavor in it, and um, uh, one could say that it's a it's a it's a fantasy love story, but even then the love story kind of comes to an end halfway through, and and um, well, the rest of it's a love letter to New York. That's, yeah, that's it's it's a it's it's a it's, it's almost like two novels just kind of mushed together. Um, uh, it's called uh, Winter's Tale by Mark Helprin, H-E-L-P-R-I-N. It is very good. It's a fabulous I've seen book. It. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, it's also been, it's been, yeah, it was it's a been movie made into a movie recently, the last, last so couple it, of years. So it kind of appeared and disappeared, and I was like, Did oh, not oh. get very good ratings. As I yeah. So um, let's talk a bit about... Um, about uh, uh, now, uh, you asked me what, what my yeah, favorite one recently of... has to be evolution. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy um, superheroes, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, uh, that, that uh, I, when I read Mark Helton's Winter's Tale, there's a moment there where I just, oh man, I know, okay, I was 17 years old. Didn't have quite as much emotional control as I have now, but oh man, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. broke down in the middle of that. And um, this, there was a, there's a moment an awful lot like that in in evolution, and it, it, you, you brought tears to my eyes at that. Um, but I'm an old softie. I do that. <laughs> um, 
uh, I mean, I, I mean, I cried when I finished podcast doing finished a podcast novel and I couldn't do any more of it. So, <laughs> uh, um, uh, but yeah, that, that that would be my my big example right now. I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Um, <laughs> well, tell us what was good about it. Um, yes, tell me more well, about no, me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, the, 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 the okay. <laughs> Romance and erotica and comedy and horror are allied genres because their 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 ultimate goal is to evoke an evoke an emotional reaction. It gets down into your guts, and and I, and one of the reasons I think that those genres those elements don't actually have to be as well written as some others is because they don't engage on an intellectual level they don't they don't um, the, the, it, analyzing them doesn't make them any better uh, in my opinion um, so if it gets down into my guts and squeezes my heart then then that's that's what I love about uh, those kinds of things. So that that and uh, and and I'm a real soft touch with that. So it doesn't take much. Um, I don't know. How, how do you guys? Does that does that um, is that description for romance as far as the the, the goals and stuff? Does that make sense to you? Is, is anybody going to disagree with me? Um, <laughs> Please. So I, I I do agree with that um, to an extent, but there there are still. <laughs> But because I've written so many books at this point, uh, Nathan Lolo, he was speaking last night. We were all hanging out in the lounge. And he was saying that uh, now um, that he's, you know, kind of leveled up as a writer and stuff, he finds it difficult to enjoy a lot of books because little things will take him out of the story, like mechanical things. Um, so while I agree with you to a point, um, there's there's other things that will be like, yeah, this is just poorly written. I can't, you know. <laughs> Even if the relationship is sound, and I do like the characters, and I think the plot is interesting, if it's not mechanically well written, and well, I mean, but are you talking more like the the, the 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 grammar and style level, or or on on like structural levels of well, plots? kind of both. So, uh, I, I finished listening to the Lunar Chronicles recently, and there's like some grammatical and word choice things that were just kind of like. Just cringe every now and then. Yeah. Um, but uh, with Jennifer Armentrout's Lux series, um, I had read like the first four books and I was really enjoying them. And I got to the end of the fourth book and I realized that there was not really any character growth and it just kind of ruined it for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, so uh, I, I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about. Because I was enjoying that story and, and what she was, had, had built in the world and, you know, where she was taking the reader, but the characters weren't changing enough with everything that had gone on that I, I found myself having, I had to give it up. So. When you um, read the description of this panel in the um, oh, pocket thing, there's, a, <laughs> there's an implication uh, there, at least I made the inference that uh, Romance and science fiction either is or should be looked down upon. Um, who who, and, who pays attention to those descriptions? Uh, well, I give them something to start with. It's, it's and, like I had a friend say um, she she had written this in a blog post that um, without the romance, Dune would have been a book about worms. You know. <laughs> the uh, well, 
Yeah, it would be interesting. I'm sorry we don't have on this panel Catherine Asaro, uh, who writes science fiction uh, romances and uh, can get quite testy uh, if you're uh, looking down or even seeming to look down upon the genre. But I think there's, there's a reason for that. And it may be completely unfair, but you say romance novel, I think for a whole lot of people, the first thing they think about is Harlequin romances. Fabio a lot of thin books, yeah. a lot of those, and rooms larger than this, filled with women, trying to learn how to write them by following the very strict outlines of how Harlequin wants them to be written, which is to say, uh, uh, mass-produced uh, mediocrities. <laughs> oh. So when you think about, when you hear romance as such, as this unfortunate um, I would, relation. I would also add that kind of society as a whole has, like, so, so take YA. You can have people, I was going on about this last night. You can have people getting disemboweled and limbs ripped off and blood and gore. But heaven forbid you have, you know, two people under the age of 18 sharing a consensual loving moment that doesn't fade to black. Mm. Um, so it's all kind of along that same line that people kind of, you know, you can't you can't you can't do that <laughs> as, as we've established it's Monday and my brain's clicking along a little slower than it um, might otherwise but I, I will take issue with the notion that because they hit you on a more visceral level you they don't have to be as as well constructed is that what you said um I think that 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 the the, the more visceral um, uh, don't it's not that they don't have they don't have to be well constructed, but um, that uh, the, the 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 skills and and uh, and um, uh, uh, the, the the techniques for writing a good mystery or a good thriller or, well not some thriller so much but um, it's the more cognitive almost genres where you're kind of analyzing things that are going on and, and like, okay, how are they going to approach this problem? Um, uh, a space opera or military SF or something like that where, where uh, there's, some, there's almost like a, a, a tactical aspect to it and you're kind of thinking along with the characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that requires a lot more kind of conscious focus, whereas the more visceral elements, comedy, erotica, uh, horror... Um, romance. Um, uh, to me, at least, when I'm writing them, um, I'm writing those elements out of my gut. I'm not. Mm, okay. I'm not thinking about what what the, I'm the feeling. I'm I'm feeling along with my character. I'm, I'm tracking a little bit more what you're what you're saying. I, I do think that it's a lot harder because of that to, in a way, to write it because what you're trying to do is, and I tend to write everything from my gut, whether it's something that's a little more visceral or even something that's more cognitive. I mean, I, I, rely, I rely on my instincts, at least with the first draft anyway. Um, but uh, I think it requires a depth or touch because if, you're, if, you're, if you get too far one way or the other with any of the genres, 
it becomes either corny or lurid. And if that's what you're shooting for, yeah, great. I mean, but yeah. um, I mean, I mean, there's a whole genre, there's a genre called bizarro, which is corny and lurid at the same time and pushed to, to the greatest extreme. I don't, I don't think they're necessarily a, a, a bad thing. So no, but no, corny and lurid is good if that's what you want and if that's yeah. what you are looking for. But I, yeah. I think that, um, and if you want to go there purposefully, that's great. But if you yeah. want to try and avoid going there for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean there, there's several books that I've picked up along the way and, and started reading. Is like, oh my, you're poor, you poor dear, you're serious. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I do think that um, less cognitive, trying to, make, to not make that a pejorative, um, a pro, you know, uh, genres still require a lot of skill to execute uh, well. I agree with that. Now, let me preface this by saying that I've got the capacity to suspend disbelief that borders on superhuman. <laughs> um, it's it's almost embarrassingly easy for me to just to, to to swallow what it is that you're feeding me, either in a book or you know in a movie. Although there have been ones that I just could not get through. Now, if you in your writing reach out and like you said, grab me in the guts, that buys you credit. I am willing to overlook the little bits of sand that get between those greased wheels if, you, if you've managed to elicit an emotional response. That goes a long, long way. Um, now, having said that, it's also possible to completely derail me be, you know, in spite of that, but that buys you, that buys you credit. Um, and in... Uh, reference to what you were saying, I do think that we have been desensitized to the wrong stuff when it comes to what we, uh, I don't want to say what we feed our kids, but, you know, in that, in, in that area, you know, it's okay for, you know, it's okay for a, uh, you know, why antagonist, a protagonist, you know, to walk over a pile of bodies, but God forbid they want to hold hands. Mm-hmm. And that's, Something that I feel that we need to correct, you know, to steer steer pop culture back on course. I've, I've kind of give you a personal story on that. I was uh, showing uh, back in the days of VHS uh, a film called I think Thunderheart, a Val Kilmer story yeah. uh, set on an Indian reservation, and it had. Um, I forget, I think it had an R rating. Yep. And I've got my uh, older son who's at that point, I forget whether he's 12 or 13. And I'm concerned because I've never seen the film. I don't know if I want to have him show it with me. Uh, so I, I, I put it on and then I look at the, the, the little stuff, the print underneath the rating, and it says uh, something. Uh, contains explicit violence, something like that. Uh, and turned to him and said, well, that's okay then. And he looked at me immediately and said, Dad, you are so Catholic, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so most of us here are writers. When you're constructing a romantic element in a book, um, how, how, does, that, how does that happen? How do you go about... Uh, building that 
part of the story. I have to find. I have to find. Since I'm writing, I'm writing a male character most of the time as the uh, as the protagonist. I have to find something for the romantic interest to do besides being the romantic interest. Uh, she has to have a a a real uh, part to play in whatever the uh, the main problem of the story is, because that's going to uh, justify both the fact that she's there and that she's a prominent player, rather than something he gets to uh, work on over the weekend. So uh, that's the f the first thing. I well, I think it's that that is the main thing. I ha I have to uh, work that person into the story with something to do, uh, and then maybe have. So I think you were mentioning earlier, um, there's going to be a, a, a tension at play within those two characters because maybe the way he sees the way he, uh, that the issue has to be dealt with, because of her position, she may not see that at least at, at once. In fact, she may be contrary to uh, what he's trying to do, again, because she has a different uh, position, a different perspective, and then have them play off against each other in some way. Um, for me, it really depends on the book, because I've had a few, um, like my, uh, my, my first uh, high fantasy romance, um, uh, Tempered Hearts, um, that mm -hmm. the, whole <laughs> the, the whole premise of that for me, to, to be... Completely honest, it was, I got the idea because I was dissatisfied with the ending of Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> it's a long, long so, history of people writing books as responses to other right. things that have bothered them. It's yeah. a so, so long history. For yeah. me, uh, that particular book, um, that story was about the couple and their journey to becoming a couple and being in love and the rest of the story kind of formed around that. Um, that's not the, the case with everything with the Evolution series. Um, the first I, inkling of that uh, whole series that I had was the final scene of the last book, or of the first book, excuse me. Um, and so I, I had to ask myself, you know, how would these three people get to this point and where do they go from there? Um, so in, in those particular instances, it was all about the relationships came first, and then I fleshed the world out around it. Um, so I guess, I, guess that's, I guess that's my answer. Um, because, yeah, most, a lot of what I write is romance. I mean, I've got my fairy tales, too. And you can't generally, like, you can't write Snow White without a bit of kissing. <laughs> well, I mean, so required. Depending, depending on how you tell the Snow White tale, it could, mm. it could be a romance. Uh, well, I, if you guys don't, I have gender flipped fairy tales, and so my Snow White is a prince, because um, I wanted to see what that looked like. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I guess for me the relationships come first. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I take the stance that the uh, it's. Yeah, they've, they've got, first and foremost, the, the characters have to be characters. They've got to have their own agency. They have to have their own wants and needs and things like that. 
And if the relationship shows up, it's got to be something organic. I mean, not I'm I'm not interested in forcing two people to be together because I feel that there needs to be a romantic interest in here. Um, now, I fully admit that um, writing romantic elements is not one of my strong suits. Um, part of it is because I don't have, you know, I don't have the, it's, I haven't worked on it often enough. But it's something that when I go, and maybe because of that, when I go to involve a romantic element, I take extra care because I'm kind of terrified of getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Is it something you, kind of, you just kind of discover as you're going along, you're writing something else, it's like, wait a minute, I can kind have of some romance in here. Yes, yes. As um, in the book that's with my agent right now, um, there's a blossoming romantic element. Um, and the it, it's between my um, protagonist, who's female, and who would be, at the moment, considered a minor antagonist. He's stone in love with her, but he doesn't know how to articulate it. And because he doesn't know how to articulate it, he causes problems. The pigtail puller. (laughs) Yeah, but he's not, yeah. A lot like that, but he's sort of in a position of power. So he tries to force her one way and goes the other. And partway through the book, he... He breaks down. He doesn't quite tell her how he feels, but you know he says, you know, you you've gone to work with this one person, and this person will, you know, hold your ship over, you know, over your head for it, you know. And I would never do that because doing that would kill something inside of you, and there is nothing that you could owe me that would be worth that. And God, even as I spoke it, you know, I got, you know. <laughs> tingles, but um, yeah, at that moment, we'll do some questions. Yeah, at that moment, she rocks back on her heels. She realizes that all of the well, not so subtle flirtation that he's you know tossed her way over the years, it, he's meant everything, <laughs> and it wasn't just some sort of you know masculine guy thing that he tells that he talks to all of his pilots that way. Scott, um, how, do you, how do you come to your romance elements? Well, in my in, in, in I have a uh, a young adult science fiction series that I've been working that I've been putting books out in um, the Jenny Dare series, and the books sort of subconsciously or organically, I'm not sure. Definitely not consciously. Uh, each of them has sort of been a different subgenre. The first one was sort of mystery and intrigue. The second one was more of spy. Uh, had elements of spy novels and, and and adventures. The third one, because I wrote a short, I wrote a short story where Jenny um, spent time with a boy, uh, and uh, there was a lot of action and a little little fl- fl- flickers of first romance. So the the third one, he's actually going to be joining her ship, and I'm gonna I'm gonna include romantic elements in that, and it or, it it developed sort of. As I aged her up, was every book I aged her up because I really like how um, uh, J.K. Rowling handled that with Harry Potter. Uh, I think it works really well with YA. So now I've got her at the place where romance and, and talking about romance and, and, and handling that is a good 
it's a good time for that now for her as a character. So I will be, as an effort to make sure that I do that well, I'll be writing more and more romantic elements with other stuff that I'm doing. But yeah, it's got to be, for me, like horror, like uh, comedy, it, it can't be forced. And, and it's uh, much like... Um, much like you said, I will, uh, I, if your character work, um, particularly relationships, particularly romantic relationships, if, if that is done well, I'll forgive a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but if you shoehorn in a romantic element or you, you know, it's romance for the sake of romance, um, you know, that doesn't work for me. Um, so that's how, that's how I approach it. You know, any kind of relationship, whether it's romantic or familial or whatever, um, has to be has to feel natural, and it also it also is a, an amazing way for me to examine you know internal conflict, um, which I think I, I agree with what you said earlier in science fiction, uh, particularly in these books as I've written them so far. There's a lot of external conflict, obviously, but um, in the first couple of books, um, I engaged a lot of internal conflict using the family relationship. So. Now it's time for me to examine the internal conflict with the romantic relationships. Excellent, excellent. Okay, um, we've got a few minutes for some questions. I would like to preface this by saying we were looking for questions, specifically questions for our panel. If it's if it's oh, this is more of a comment than a question. That's not what we're here for. So, um, do we have anyone with uh, questions for our panel? Yes. How do you handle the first kiss? Mm. Only the first guess. See, my characters are never, never that young. So, <laughs> so for me, um, it it depends on it depends on the the book. Sometimes that that comes near the beginning, and the relationship falls apart, and then they come back together again. Um, but other times, like with uh, with Shadows on Snow, my Snow White story, the first kiss is that the very, very end. So you have a long time to build up to that. Um, but as far as how I write that first kiss, it has to mean something. It has to make sense in the plot. Um, and I have to uh, examine that and give it the, the proper weight to that character um, because that that is kind of an important milestone. And I think most people, that's kind of a universal thing that, you know, people have have that... When, when they when they get to to that point in their lives that they're always going to remember that and so you have to write it with the appropriate weight um, given to that and the appropriate like we're talking about in, internal you know conflict and stuff um, so you you have to give it that appropriate uh, examination for that character. I, I, I one of my first best. My favorite first kisses uh-huh. is um, is Wesley and Buttercup. Um, uh, and, the greatest and, in the world. <laughs> there's never been one like that. Because there's this because there's this 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 like meta level, and there's there's the kid and his granddad yep. and the story, and the granddad first starts to read it. And it's like, oh well, this is a kiss. This you don't is a kiss. Read that, and the kid says. <laughs> I think I could read that. I could listen I to that. I don't mind so much. I don't mind so much. And and then he goes on to it, and uh, uh, and uh, even the, even though the description there is not of how the kiss actually goes, it's still 
reaches into your gut there, and uh, I, I actually um, first encountered Princess Bride as the book instead of as the movie, and and uh, it's like that 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 scene just still sticks in my head um, for for how it all the layers on it um, really uh, really impressed me. Uh, yes. Um, well, hold on. Um, you were, just, let's get your answer to the uh, just to the real quick. Um, I I I, re- I wrote my first uh, male male romantic scene for a book that I that I for a story that I put out recently, and that first kiss, even though it wasn't the first kiss for the characters because they're both adults, um, their first kiss was so much fun to write. You know that tension building up to it. You know, so I think that's. Uh, that's where the best first kisses are. You build, you build, and build, and build, um, and it makes it more special, and it makes it more interesting. And, yeah. and there's just so much stuff to mine in that, which is why, I like, you know, I haven't read that book where the kiss happens at the end mm-hmm. yet. Um, but yeah, that had to have been a lot of fun to, <laughs> to write. Yeah, because there's these moments where they're almost yeah. there, but then something happens. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of uh, you ask about going about it. Um, a lot of that, you know, again, it has to happen at the right moment, whether that be at the beginning, middle, or end. But in terms of nuts and bolts craft, I think back to my first kiss, how, you know, how that felt. And you put those, you put those feelings on the page. You know, you, you drop yourself in there. Um, my standout first kiss was in a book called Luck in the Shadows, and I cannot remember who it was that um, that yeah, wrote it. Yeah, go ahead and Google that, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was between two men. And it was, I, at the time I was, oh man, it must have been somewhere between 18 and 21. And it was so fragile. You know, I'm reading it and I'm like, God, if I turn the page, I hope it doesn't break. <laughs> Um, Lynn Flewellen? Yes, yes, Lynn Flewellen. Okay, we had another question over here? Uh, yes. Uh, how, do you, <coughs> how do you write uh, that kind of relationship when, when, when you, because of Asperger's, you haven't had that kind of relationship? Mm. That's um, that is a really really good question um, because like I've never been an android super soldier, but I've got stories where the main character is an android super soldier. I I I am not a woman who keeps tentacle monsters, but I write stories. About a woman you who sure? Keeps tentacle monsters. Yeah. I also did that cover, by the way. Yeah, she also did this cover. It's a brilliant cover. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, now, and my son actually is on the autism spectrum and has some similar similar issues to Asperger's. Um, uh, the the um, uh, when someone writes romance into a story, they're almost always, if it's not like Harlequin churned out stuff, it's coming from the author's gut. It's it's honest. It's Real, it's visceral, and if if you don't have that stuff in your own guts, well, read a bunch of them, right? Because you you can kind of fill your guts up with it by mindfully 
consuming the stuff that you want to write. You know, read Winter's Tale, read Princess Bride, read um, uh, Evolution Angel. And just, you know, see if you can, if, if, that, if that catches in your gut the same way it does in mine or something like it, then, then use that. And if it doesn't, you don't have to put romance into the books. You can write about the things that, that really do charge you up. And, um, you know, we here love romantic elements and we love to see them. It doesn't have to be in every single book we read. I mean, when I read a Weber book, um, I've forgotten his first name. Is David. 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 Yeah, or David Drake. I'm not expecting to see romance elements in those books. They're, they're you know, military SF. It's, if, there's, if there's any romance in it at all, it's, it's unusual. So, you know... Just because we love it and we and we do it and we read it doesn't mean that every book has to have it. But if it's something you really want to explore, read a bunch of it and and see whether you can kind of catch some of that in your gut. And and that was an amazing answer. I have I have two kids on the spectrum, and I, I'll echo what you said, Nubilis, But also one of the continuing themes of this weekend for me has been tell your story. So, so what's it like to be on the spectrum and experience love? People need to, I mean, because, you know, people, oh, yeah. autistic people are just like any other people in the sense that they can, they experience the same sorts of emotions and, and experiences that we have. They just filter it in a different way. And so, yeah. you know, write, you know, if this is something you want to do, write it how you would experience it yourself. Now, if you wanted, if you don't want to tell that particular story, then yes, absolutely, you know, research, research, research. I've never been a 14-year-old girl, so, um, and yet I've written several stories with 14-year-old girls as the main character, and well, I did a good job because I did the research. Well, for example, I know what it is to love somebody to the point where I would walk for miles mm-hmm. for an encounter. I do not know what it is to know the right words to get her to say, okay, I'll give you a chance. Right. Yeah. But that's a great read? setup yeah. story. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. that frustration, that, that, that problem that, that, that the hero's having, and wow, you can really squeeze the hearts of, uh, of your readers. I, with I, that would, I would also point out that romance tends to, it's wish fulfillment. Yeah. Out of it. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what be. would you want someone to say to you? Mm, um, right. It, it doesn't matter if it's a male talking to a female, a male talking to a male, a female talking to a female, um, because there are some emotions that are just universal, um, and some logical processes that are just universal. So, yeah, think about how you, how someone could approach you with that, and what would convince you. Yeah. Also, yeah, research and yeah, wish fulfillment. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's there's all kind. You know, just like in every other genre, there's all kinds of stuff that happens in a in a romance story or a, a romantic element of a story that you kind of like. Okay, that doesn't actually happen that way in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't keep pedal monsters in real life, so you know. Again, and, are if, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there are enough. Elements to keep it grounded, right? Like mm. uh, you'd be able to suspend disbelief and yep. you know hit the person in the gut, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, 
Uh, uh, just, just write it first and, and worry about how after. <laughs> yeah, fix it later. You can't edit a blank page. Yes. Yes. Any other, any other questions? We have a, a few minutes left. No, actually, it's 10 minutes up. Any quick questions? No? All right. Oh, yes, go ahead. Um, I was just going to ask, um, how do you go about deciding whether or not your romance interest will be an ally or an obstacle, like in Ken's book, where it's mainly an obstacle? can be either. I mean, that... Some of both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, we do a that, that, that's, all, that's all really kind of... The questions about the, all the other stuff except the romance, right? You know, yeah, um, but 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 you know, a, a romantic uh, a, a romantic attraction between a protagonist and an antagonist, like in Willow, can be a tremendously powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of stories like that. Um, so yeah, this either way. Any other comments before we break up? Um, uh, Check us out. We are here because we want you to see us. Um, I am Nabilis Reed. Uh, Bob Chase. Starla Hutchinson. You can find me at starlahutchinson.com. And because you've heard so much about Evolution Angel, um, (laughs) (laughs) I am podcasting the first book um, in that series for free. I am up to Chapter 12. It's releasing week by week. The last one will drop in August. Chapter 9 is really hot. So, yeah, um, and you can find me at StarlaHutchinson.com, and I've got a link to the podcast feed, but it should be on iTunes as well. I'm Ken Schrader. You can find me online at www.ken-schrader.com. I'm on Twitter at KenSchrader4882. Um, glad you Thanks for coming. Uh, I'm Scott Roche. You can find my stuff at www.scottroche.com, and I'm going to leave a couple of business cards up here with my contact information. If anybody wants them, I have them too. Thank you for listening to the Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>